The Google Chromecast, which debuted back in 2013, turned heads for its compact design for a streaming device. But some big upgrades and the new Google TV interface are finally making it a true worthy rival to Roku and Fire TV. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is our streaming expert and hapless Giants fan, Eli Bumenthal. Welcome, Eli. Thank you for having me. We're only two games out of a playoff spot right now, so we still have a chance, the Giants. I'll just say winless. But anyway, Google unveiled the Chromecast last week. It got a little lost in the shuffle with the new Nest Audio and Pixel 5 debuts. So what's new with the Chromecast? So the big thing with the Chromecast is that it now has a remote and an interface. Those are two long-awaited features. You no longer have to rely solely on your phone or tablet or computer to take Netflix or YouTube and put it onto your TV. And I mean, talk a little bit about some of the uh, the features on the remote as well as the interface. Uh, what like what is new about it, and is it what is it like to use? So I guess we'll break this down to two things. We'll start with what's new. The Google Assistant is very present on the new Chromecast. There's a dedicated assistant button. It actually is in a different hue on the remote, so it stands out. Uh, it's pretty active as far as being in the interface as well. And you can actually control most of the Chromecast functions with Google Assistant, which is great. It really it does a nice job. Um, as far as what else is new beyond the interface and the remote, that, that really covers the bulk of it. There's also Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos if you have a uh, compatible TV and sound system. Yeah, and, and what about the Google TV experience? I know it's a revamped version of what they previously called Android TV. What's different about it? Like how and, and how does it work? So it's got a new For You page. So the big, the big push with uh, Google TV is a new interface, a, a new layout that looks more like uh, Amazon's Fire TV than the old way, which had you basically scrolling through each app. So now there's content in, in the four as opposed to each app having its own separate, I guess, column or row. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to use. It, it's designed to help you find things to watch as opposed to, you know, mindlessly scrolling through Netflix and then scrolling through Prime Video or HBO or, or any of the other many streaming apps that are available. Uh, and a lot of this seems like upgrade. Is there anything you don't like about this thing? So I had a couple of moments where it lagged. It wasn't as fast as, say, Amazon's Fire TV Stick 4K, which is a similarly uh, priced streaming dongle that has Alexa instead of Google Assistant. And I also had some random issues where Assistant, where if I asked to watch, I'm a big Marvel fan, so I'd asked to watch Avengers Infinity War. And it would start playing on YouTube TV through TBS, which has the broadcast rights, or the cable rights, rather as opposed to recognizing that I subscribe to Disney Plus and playing it in 4K on my Disney Plus subscription. So it just doesn't, the system doesn't always know right now what the best way to watch a particular show or movie is. It also had a weird issue where, uh, I don't know if it's a weird issue, uh, but you can't actually power this, or I wasn't able to power this off of the USB port on my television. I had to use the included 7.5 watt uh, power adapter, which... I don't know about you. I like plugging these things directly into the TV, running off the USB power. It's less cables to see. It's easier to uh, to install, not having to find an empty outlet. And the fact that this, at least with my LG OLED that I was testing, it's a couple years old, the OLED, but it's still a fairly recent TV. The fact that it wouldn't power and function off of what was provided from the USB port was a bit surprising. 
Yeah, as someone who has his Roku plugged into the USB port of his TV, I can definitely appreciate the need for something like that because it cuts down on the number of wires behind your TV. Uh, and living in a household with multiple kids, you want to have as few wires as possible. So that's that's kind of an annoying uh, setback. Um, but you know that that that's not the biggest deal. You know, you talked about Google Assistant uh, and and how it's sort of front and center in this. Um, did you find when you were using this, you were you were using Google Assistant a lot more, or were you reverting back to sort of your the traditional way you would use a remote control, right? Just the using the standard volume channel flip buttons, or like how how did having Google Assistant on the remote control sort of change the way you interact with this? Uh, it changed in a couple of ways. So one of the things that is big in the Android TV or Google TV, sorry, interface is a for you page, which I guess is per, it's a personalized page based off of shows and movies that you like and content that you traditionally watch and. What it was recommending was actually pretty good. That's the default homepage. So I don't know if that ties in necessarily to the assistant, but it ties into some of that personalization aspects. And I find that to be pretty useful as far as what Google is doing there. And, and for the assistant direct part, the voice portion of it, uh, I found myself constantly using assistant to open apps or to... Uh, I was using YouTube TV and I'm a Yankees fan. So just to switch between football and... The Yankee game, just saying, you know, okay, Google, go to the Yankee game and having it automatically switch to the right channel was super helpful. And it was doing this regardless of whatever app I was in. So if I was watching something on Netflix or on regular YouTube and I wanted to see what was going on in the Yankee game, I just say, okay, Google, I hold the button down. Okay, Google, go to the Yankees game. And it would do that. Uh, sometimes it took a few seconds to do that. At one point I timed it and it was over 10, which for live TV is pretty bad. 10 second wait between when you want to go somewhere, saying you want to go somewhere and when it actually appears. Um, that needs to improve tremendously. And it wasn't that I had a bad internet connection. I have a couple hundred megabits per second where I'm testing. So that needs to improve. But otherwise, the assistant has been great to use. And I'm pretty surprised to say that because voice assistance on these streaming devices has been, at least in my experience, a bit more hit or miss. So taken together with all these new features, the remote control, uh, and uh, just to clarify, how much does this thing cost? This is fifty dollars, and that's more. That's more than the previous model, right? It is. Well, Google had two models previously. There was a Chromecast and a Chromecast Ultra. So this does pretty much everything the Chromecast Ultra does. The higher end, I believe it was seventy dollars model that now is only available in a Stadia bundle. For now, Stadia is actually coming to Chromecast with Google TV. This new device. But it's not coming until sometime officially in the, uh, I believe, first half of 2021. So sometime next year. Uh, so this is actually cheaper than that. It is a little more expensive than the HD only Chromecast. But that for, I believe it was $30, lacks the interface, lacks a remote, lacks 4K. So for $20 more, you get all of that. Plus the ability to run all these apps without having to rely on your phone, computer or tablet. Got it. So, so taking all this together, the price, the new features, the remote control, how does this stack up against similar options from Roku and Amazon through its Fire TV line? So that's a great question. It really depends on what world you live in. That, that's how I, I look at this. If you are somebody who has a lot of Amazon devices, I'm not going to say the A word because I don't want to trigger things. If you have a lot of those devices and you're very much in the Amazon world, the Fire TV uh, Stick 4K 
is excellent. It's faster than this. The Alexa integration, sorry, I said that word, is not as strong as Google Assistant is, but it is a very capable, very impressive device. If you have a lot of Apple devices, Roku Streaming Stick Plus, which is $40, is an equally compelling option, especially when it adds AirPlay, which Roku announced the other week is coming at some point soon. So it really depends on where you, you find yourself. If you just want all the apps, and this has HBO Max, which is something that Amazon and Roku currently lack, uh, this is not a bad option. Yeah, that was the, the sort of follow-up question there, because there's been a lot of confusion about which streaming services are available on, and which streamers. Uh, the, generally, the Chromecast is pretty much covered for all your services. The Chromecast with Google TV, because there's still regular Chromecast being sold. So this one has, I would say, out of the major ones, 99%. It is missing Apple TV+, Plus, which is available on Roku and Amazon. And of course, gotcha. the Apple TV. If you want something that currently has everything, you have to get an Apple TV HD or Apple TV 4K. But those, I think the Apple TV 4K is currently $180 or so. So you have to pay a sizable upgrade. Plus, it's just some pretty old hardware at this point. Apple's been rumored to be prepping new boxes of some kind. Uh, they've been rumored to do that for a while. Maybe it comes out this year. Maybe it doesn't. The rumors are kind of all over the map there. But that's the only one that has every major streaming service. Google has everyone but Apple TV+. Plus. Roku and Amazon have everyone but HBO Max. So it really depends. <laughs> Uh, and as, you know, as a reviewer, I'm, I'm just curious how you put these things through its paces. What is the review process like, especially when you're doing a lot of this at home? Uh, it's a lot of watching TV and a lot of watching movies and seeing how it performs in a variety of different settings. So different TVs, um, different picture options with different content sources. So Disney Plus, for example, on the Google TV doesn't stream currently in Dolby Vision. But Netflix does have some content available in Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos available on the Chromecast with Google TV. So it's, it's comparing a lot of different things. It's comparing the performance of those content sources to how a Roku Streaming Stick Plus or an Amazon Fire TV Stick 4K would handle playing back that particular movie or, or TV show or piece of live content, TV, sports. And just comparing and contrasting. It's a lot of watching. That sounds like a really tough job. Uh, ultimately, is this worth uh, the $50? I, I think so. If you, again, keeping in mind that the exact situations will vary. If you like Apple TV, this is not the option for you. If you have a very big Amazon household and you want it to tie in really well to your rings and to some of your other Amazon devices, this isn't the option for you. Uh, if you want to do AirPlay, this isn't the option for you. But if you want something that's simple, that has a solid interface, that has a really good remote, and isn't that expensive at $50, it's a pretty good choice. Great. Well, thanks, Eli, for your time. You can read his full review on CNET.com. If you have any questions about the device, hit us up on Twitter, at The Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard here, please subscribe and read the show. It really helps us out a lot. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.